Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christopher Hall Show. I'm excited to welcome the program. Dr. Christopher Hall, thank you for your service. I always say this, and, and honestly, after hearing our president and also the first lady have tested positive for coronavirus, you are putting yourself on the front lines in one of the most challenging times in our history. So thank you again for your service. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chris. No problem. No problem. Um, yeah, and, you know, we're, we're praying again for this wave with the flu and the coronavirus. Um, and so, um, you know, we're working very hard taking care of ourselves. But um, I'm extremely excited today about the guests that we have today. All right. So, Chris, go ahead and introduce her. No problem. Well, it's my pleasure uh, to introduce a um, four-time Grammy Award winner, uh, with, with multiple nominations, 12 nominations for Grammys, um, a person who uh, is uh, uh, really a poet, um, uh, a singer, a producer, a writer. Uh, wow, just incredible. Very excited to welcome to the show today, uh, Ms. Denise Williams. Welcome to the show, Denise. So good to be here with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And thank you for your service, as we said earlier. Yes, and he's out in Mississippi, Alabama area. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I see all of the records on the wall. Well, as a performer, <laughs> how tough has it been, the coronavirus, for you? I mean, I feel for, for any type of performers that had to perform in front of some sort of audience to be kind of change their lifestyle completely, it's got to be so tough. Well, I tell you, the thing that uh, has probably impacted us the most is we've not been able to do concerts. So we've not been able to tour or go out there. Uh, it's a financial hit, but it's also a personal hit because we love, you know, for us, of those of us that are still out there, especially as long as I've been out there, we love being in front of the people and, you know, just hanging out. So I've missed it socially. I've missed it being around the audience, being around people in general. And financially, you know, it's been a different kind of year for us, 2020. But, uh, you know, I just thank God. He takes good care of me and everything's good. The kids are good. The grands are good. So we're just hanging in there, you know, even though it's been a different kind of time. Exactly. It has been. Yeah. So, Chris, what's your next uh, question for her? Wow. I mean, it's just, again, just very exciting. Very excited to have her on the show today. Um, well, you know, um, Denise, tell us a little bit about, I, mean, I know that um, you, you kind of got to start in Gary, Indiana. And mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about just, you know, at that time, how you grew up and, and that kind of stuff. What, well, I am from Gary, Indiana, and of course, most people, when you say Gary, Indiana, they think about the uh, Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five, and so we were uh, in the same city at the same time. I think the very first time I saw Michael Jackson perform, he was about four or five years old at the Masonic Temple. I'll never forget that. But um, I grew up in a very um, religious home. We were a Church of God in Christ Pentecostals. And I find, I named the church after a while the Church of Thou Shall Not because it was you couldn't do nothing but show up on Sunday for church and stay there all day. But I am uh, really grateful for my upbringing because it really taught me, um, you know, 
to watch myself. And when I came into the industry as being brought up as a Christian with very strong beliefs and not wanting to disappoint, disappoint God, I think a lot of things I could have got involved in, I just did not get involved in because God was watching. And I'm really grateful, you know, that I had that, that discipline. And then especially after seeing how many young women were, um, following me and asking me questions and, you know, how I did certain things or how I was in the music industry. It was great to have that background to be able to encourage them in, you know, how to stay strong, how to keep your composure and not be out there uh, on the street corner, which is what I thought. My church uh, had a big, big protest when they found out that I was going to join Stevie Wonder as a background singer. And they, you know, they, they just uh, prayed against it and me not going. And it was very hurtful for me to know that my church didn't support me. But what I found out is that they were afraid that I was going to leave everything that they taught me, the foundation, and, and end up on the streets in Los Angeles. And uh, what I didn't do was I ended up with Stevie Wonder. And I got in, um, involved with Stevie because I had a cousin who, um, when he was 14, he would come to Gary, Indiana and visit his grandmother. And my grandmother, his grandmother were sisters. And so he would always brag, I know Stevie Wonder, I know Stevie Wonder. I said, you know, Pinocchio, your nose is growing because everybody from Detroit, where they know Stevie Wonder, just shut up. But it was John Harris, my cousin, after seven years of telling me that, that got me the audition with Stevie Wonder. And I gladly jumped in and took it because at the time, I was a, uh, at Purdue University and I wanted to be a nurse, but I found out, I, I am trying to collect this up, I'm so sorry, I found out that um, I could not take science. You gotta be brilliant to be a doctor or a nurse or anything like that, the science of it, you know, and I, I just did not have, uh, you know, the acclimate for science. So when my cousin reached out to me during my second year of college, said, what are you doing? I said, flunging out of school. And he said, good, I have a job for you. <laughs> and so I got to audition for Stevie. And of course, I worked with him for three and a half years as a background singer. And that's how I ended up from Gary, Indiana, you know, onto the road with um, Stevie Wonder as wow. a background singer. See, I think this is such an interesting story because you, you know, touched greatness with Michael Jackson, yet you had to go with Stevie Wonder. But so you, you so I mean, even though you're, you're, you're a legacy in yourself in your music career, four time Grammy Award winner, everyone remembers certain songs of yours, you really had brushes with greatness. So what did you learn from Stevie working with him? You know, what I learned with Stevie was, you know, to be quick on my feet because we would go out there and he would say, we're going to do this song, that song, then he'd get on stage and certainly turn creative and start writing a song. And then the band, you know, all the guys in the band and the three of us as singers, we had to act like on stage in front of, you know, thousands of people that we knew what he was doing and talking about and he'd feed us lyrics. And so we, we learned, I learned how to be really quick on my feet and how to be, um, what do I want to say, spontaneous. You know, when you get out there a lot of times and you're performing and you may have a strict um, program or, you know, a strict show that you want to do. But when the spirit hits and you want to do something different, you, you should also be able to do that as an artist, you know, as a truly creative person there. And so I learned that from Stevie and I've appreciated learning that. Wow, fantastic. Incredible.
Wow. Yeah. Good. Next question, Dr. Hall. And Dr. Hall does focus on education. So this is interesting. I'm sure that you, you heard the story of her going and getting a different education with Stevie. So <laughs> I, we, we wouldn't knock that uh, for sure. But uh, Dr. Hall, what's your next question? Oh, yeah, with no, with no problem. You know, and she, she talked about uh, the contributions uh, that people make to medicine. You know, and her mom uh, was a nurse and her grandma was a nurse. Yeah, yeah, I think that she had aspirations to do she said. So, but but uh, I'm certainly glad that, uh, wow, she um, uh, went into, you know, uh, uh, singing and stuff. So now tell us a little bit about how important are math teachers? Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. I mean, math teachers, if you can't add and subtract and multiply, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you are seriously in trouble. And... Um, I was never really that good at math, but I had a math foundation, but still, and even in music, if you don't know math, it's very difficult for yeah. you to read music, to be able to play sheet music. If they stick a, a piece of paper of music in front of you and you can't, uh, you don't know math, you cannot read music. And a lot of times um, I would go into the studio and I wasn't able to read the music, but I had to learn because, you know, there was a lot of money in doing commercials for television. And if, you know, you need to go in there and read and, and math plays a major, major part in that. Math plays, plays a major part in your being able to go to the grocery store and, and, and buy groceries. The thing that I feel so bad about with these kids nowadays is a lot of them can't count change. They, you know, uh, a couple of times I've gone and kids have been at the register and the register are telling them what it is, but without the register being there, you wouldn't know. Uh, long division, you know, long multiplication. Uh, a lot of our children, I don't believe are doing that. They're doing that by <laughs> telephone and the computer. And it's really very, uh, I think, very, very significant that you know how to do math longhand because what happens if all of the computers shut down or your phone right. shuts down? Something like that can happen. If you don't have that knowledge in your head and you're, babe, you're able to do that, you're in trouble. So mathematics is very, very, very important across the board. In the film, in the film business and in film industry, you've got to be able to read decimals. You've got to be able to read certain mathematical equations. So it affects you across the board if you do not have that knowledge and you've not taken an interest in, interest in mathematics. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, let me say one thing. I think I asked her a loaded question and that was a beautiful answer. You're totally right. How important was your math teacher in high school for you? Did My math teacher. Yeah, he was the one that bought the record store. <laughs> Mr. Horace Parks, my math teacher, bought the record store in Gary, Indiana. And I went to him one day and I said, you know, I, I, I really need to make some money. Can you hire me in your record store? And, and he said, well, let me talk to your mom. He did. My mom said, it's okay. She can work in your record store two hours you know, after school every day. And so I went to, uh, you know, work in his store. And then um, there was a back room in the back where you could come through the alley. So I used to sit at the table and I would spin these 45s and I would be singing by Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight, you know, the Supremes, Nancy Wilson, anybody could get my hands on. And so one day um, he was in the back and I didn't know he was there and I was singing. And so he came back up to the front. He says, I didn't know you could sing. And I said, that's because you don't go to church. If you went to church, you would know that I could sing. Oh. And so he said, oh my God. So he asked me to sing something else. And I did. 
And so he talked to my mom about bringing some record label people over from Chicago, Illinois, and Jean, uh, Eugene Records and, uh, from the Shy Lights and Barbara Acklin, uh, who wrote Love Makes a Woman, came over, they heard me, they wrote a song for me, I went in the studio, they promised me fame and fortune, and <laughs> I went in the studio and I made my first local record called Love is Tears, and I was 17. So that's before Stevie. Yes, before Stevie. Oh my gosh. So that, that's amazing. And so I'm going to take us a little further. Uh, when would you consider your big break after Stevie Wonder? Because you got you, when you're a background singer, they're, they're unbelievable people. I mean, meaning that yeah. the, the stories finally that came out, I guess, about 10 years ago about, you know, really, we should consider these people as talented as the singers because without oh. them, no the doubt. singers can't sit, they can't sound as good as they do when they perform at concerts because they're the ones that keep it all in rhythm. So yes. it sounds so good. We yeah. don't know who they are, but they're tremendous. How did you get that big break? You, I mean, it seems like a multiple big breaks, but how did you kind of get the one where you became the star? Um, we used to go to rehearsal for Stevie and, you know, we'd be in there an hour or two before he would come a lot of times. And so we started writing and one day, um, Nathan Watts, the bass player, was playing this little riff, and I started singing over it, you know, gotta be free, free, free. And he kept singing it. And then uh, Suse Green, the other background singer, walked up to me and said, here, sing these lyrics. And so I looked at him, I said, well, they don't fit what, I'm, what the melody I'm writing is. So we worked on them. And right before Stevie's show, he would let wonder love do one song so one night they say let's do denise song free tonight and i say okay and what happened is i did free in the audience on the front row was maurice white verdine white philip bailey and their lawyer from earth wind and fire so afterwards maurice uh the lawyer came back and he says maurice is over there with stevie talking but he'd like to meet you and we want to know whose song is that that you sang i said well that's mine i wrote it with a couple of my friends i said but i got some more songs and, and can i sing you the songs because me and philip bailey have the same range and he could sing these songs so i sent them my cassette tape of seven songs that i had written and about two months later, I got a call and they said, we want to have a meeting with you. Maurice White wants to meet with you. So I go in to meet with Maurice White and I'm thinking that they want the songs. So I said, well, I just started a, a production company called Kalimba Productions. I just um, assigned on a female uh, group called The Emotions and we're looking for a solo female artist. And I said, I thought Phila Bailey was going to sing the songs. <laughs> and they said, no. Nope. We want you to sing the songs. It took me a year before I decided, okay, I'm going to go sing the songs. Because I didn't want to travel and I didn't want the responsibility of being out front. And no, I was just no. going to make enough money to go back to school to be a nurse. But God was saying something different. And my songwriting partner said, you better take that record deal. I said, all right. I took the record deal and it was Maurice White who launched my solo career. And, that was, and it was history from there. That's, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. Holt, your, your next question. Oh, no problem. I mean, and just over there, she said so many beautiful songs over the years. Um, just, uh, and, you know, a lot of her songs have been influenced by uh, her background in gospel. And so tell us a little bit about that. Your, um, your, back, uh, your background in gospel and just, uh, how you live your life as a 
a good Christian? Well, my, um, growing up in the church, as I mentioned earlier, and learning uh, how to sing pitch and tone and singing with other singers, that all happened in the church choir. And so, um, you know, we were taught that as a Christian, if you sang anything outside of, uh, outside of gospel music, you was on your way to hell and going to be on the weenie road, you know, oh, that's no. and so I didn't want to do any secular music at all, but I tell you, um, I did on the first a project that I put out, uh, this is Nisi. It had a song called somebody's watching over you. And that was the song about God is watching us and taking care of us. On the second project, I had a song uh, who is still on the radio today called God is Truly Amazing. And so um, I all, what I wanted to do is I felt, and I was fighting with my record label at the time. They, they said, we, we, we're trying to build up a R&B pop artist. We don't care nothing about that gospel stuff. And I said, listen, if I can give you 10, I can give him one. Get over it. And they did. They didn't like it. But we fought for years about me putting one, at least one Christian or gospel song on my projects. But I tell you, uh, it was a real, I wanted people to have an overview of who I was as a total artist. And I felt I can give you this, but if you want to know me totally, you have to allow me to do that. And so I had an opportunity to do that and, and to, you know, share the whole side of me as a singer, as an artist, as a performer that encompasses all of me, not just a part of me. And so that's what, you know, I was doing all those years. And as far as being a, a Christian, you know, the Bible, Jesus Christ, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost does still influence my life. And basically, I don't have it all together, and I am not perfect. I have to tell so many people that think I'm an angel. No, there's an angel on this shoulder, and there's a devil on this shoulder. And a lot of times, this guy over here is winning. Okay. <laughs> he, he wins a lot of times when he's telling me, she said, don't do that. And he's saying, oh, it'll be fun. I said, I'll be right back. And I go, <laughs> and so it has been, you know, a, a, a journey of life to try to make the right decisions to do right exactly. uh, by people to do right. And in, 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 not in my career so much, because that was pretty clear to me, but to do right in life and to walk a certain line. One thing about it, I never did really want to embarrass God, you know, especially since I was saying, oh, God did this for me. God did. This. I didn't want to embarrass God. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to make better decisions. But have I made all the right decisions? Absolutely. We can't. We, if we say that, then we're, we're being prideful in so That's many right. ways. And we know, right. know we make mistakes and every day is a challenge and, and a new That's learning right. experience. So right. I want to talk right. about let's hear it for the boy. Okay. okay. You listen to the whole lyrics of this yes. uh how did that come about i was in the studio with george duke i gosh i miss him so much i loved working with george duke he was the consummate uh performer songwriter producer and uh, we were in the studio and we had just finished a song um called black butterfly and we got a call from my record label saying we're doing a film and we've got a song that we want Denise Williams to listen to. It's the last song on the project. Don't know if she'd be like it, but you know, we want you to go over to the house of the writers and listen to it. So George Duke and I go over to the house and there's Dean Pitchford and Thompson. Now they're on the piano planet. And afterwards they give us the song. You know, we walk out to the car and George Duke said, we're not doing that song. I said, yes, we are. I said, it's going to be in a movie, George. I said, I just read an article 
calling me a great balladeer. I could do an up-tempo song. Come on, let's do that song. We're not doing that song, George. So, you know, I say in my show that the man is the head, okay? He's the, he's the head, but the woman is the neck. And she can turn that head any way she wants to when she put her mind to it. So I stopped talking to George and I went to his wife, Corrine. And I said, Corrine, I want to do this song. And George said, he won't do this song. It's a hit. I can feel it in my heart. It's a big hit. So Corrine said, girl, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. A week later, me and George was in the studio doing that song. And he fussed and he fussed and he fussed and he worked me really extra hard on the lyrics. He said, for me, he said, I'm going to get you for making me do that for you and Corrine making me do that song. So years later, you know, and it's a big hit years later, uh, this uh, television production does a, a, a story, a television show on me called unsung and George is on there. So George says on unsung, I still don't like that song. I said, well, you know, 15 million sales later. I said, give me your royalties. I bet I take them. I got a house full of chilling. We'll, baby needs shoes. We'll take all of that. Yeah, and he, especially every time people understand that it plays on Spotify or something, you're getting paid, right? Worldwide, worldwide. And it's really like, worldwide. he didn't like that song. I said, didn't give me your money. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I think it's probably gotten, I think it even went viral on TikTok. For yeah, some. there you go. <laughs> you know, I don't know, you know, these 80s songs, 80s just live in infamy. We got to go back to the 80s. But okay, so latest projects now. You have uh, a new a new album coming coming out and new song now, new album soon. So tell yeah. us about it. My new song is called When You Love Somebody. And it once again, I had to blame it on God. It was a God thing because I've been telling my children for the past two years, I'm ready to retire. No more singing. I'm going out on a high note. I'm not singing anymore. And they were saying, mom, you ain't, you won't retire. You're not retiring. <laughs> and people say, no, Miss Williams, you can't retire. Some, one of the Delta agents in the airport told me, somebody said, you want to retire. You can't retire. And I was like, what the? You know, why can't I retire? So anyway, my son and I, one of my sons, we were in Los Angeles for a meeting. And so the last meeting that he had was with a friend that he went to high school with, Emil Gatos, who's a producer and a songwriter. So he said, my mama just gonna stop by here and talk to him quick. I said, okay. So we go by there and we have a meeting with him. And so um, he, um, uh, we walk in the studio. I sit down. I give him a hug. I sit in the corner. After the end of the meeting, he said, "Miss Williams, he says, I've got some tracks. I always wanted to write with you. Can, can we write something together if you hear it? I said, okay, play me a couple of tracks. He played me the first track. I said, I'm sorry, I don't hear anything. He played me the second track. And all of a sudden, you know, I was saying, hmm, when you love somebody and you dance and you dance i said okay press the red button and so we recorded it he put the track down sent the track to me a week later asked me for some lyrics i sent him some lyrics a week later he sent me the track the lyrics and a demo of the song and he said miss williams will you come to town and put the put this down you know let me hear you sing and i said okay so the next time i went into la i went in the studio put the you know sang the song and left out of there with it on my computer and my phone so about a month later i'm with some cousins and their kids and their kids kids and i say you guys i did this song what what do you think and I put it on and all, I mean, like the three, four, five-year-old, they were dancing and doing, I said, wait a minute. 
So I called Emil back. I said, I think we got some. He said, I've been telling you that for three months. Okay, then let's put it out and see what happens. And here we are. (laughs) And that's going to lead to an album, right? That is. The name of the album is Gemini because I've got um, R&B, I've got pop, I've got jazz, and I've got gospel music on it. So you're you're getting a bunch of different kinds of musical concepts, and it's been exciting to do that. So fantastic. All right. So Dr. Hall, summarize Denise. We could have a part two, three, four. She's so amazing. I guess (laughs) when the album finally comes out, the album, we'll have to have you back to talk about that. There's more stories to to, to definitely uh, talk about. But go ahead, Dr. Hall, and summarize Denise. Oh, with no problem. I mean, I think in all the years, you know, this four octave, uh, beautiful um, voice um, uh, we've heard literally coming out of heaven. Beautiful songs. Uh, silly, me, free. That's what friends are for. And um, and so in this very difficult time uh, that our country's going through, we're so excited. Uh, very happy that she came on the show. Tell us about her life, uh, how she made it in the entertainment business. Um, and so thank you very much for my blessing with your presence today. Um, thank, you. thank you. And so good to see you. And like I said before, I so appreciate what you're doing. What you're doing is not easy and, uh, you know, take care of yourself, protect your health. Mr. Neil, take care of yourself. I look forward to coming to Pittsburgh and getting some hugs. I'm yes. a hugger. So you tour to Pittsburgh sometimes? I, of course, of course, I have to come back, you know, so that I'm saying okay. soon as I, yeah, I didn't so, know yeah. that. So, so you're going to have to hit me up. You won't forget me now, right? I so, Last time I was in Pittsburgh, I sang the national anthem for the baseball team. I did a oh, concert and then I came to the next there was that to me. How many years? Oh, my God. That must have been about 10 10 years ago when I, when I went there well, and I sang the national anthem for them. I've come back and did awesome. I've got to come back and sit you guys. All righty. Right. So here, Thank okay, you. where can we find info? Where's the best place to connect with you? Uh, DeniseWilliams.com, uh, and Nisi's, NisiOfficial at gmail.com, and on uh, Twitter and iHeart and Amazon and all of those lovely Spotify, all of those places, Pandora, open up the door and I'm there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming by. And we're going to have to have you back to talk about your experience this weekend. Uh, again, because this won't be airing till after uh, your experience this weekend. You're going to have fun, right? That, yes, absolutely. Yeah. We aren't, aren't you going to be on what, uh, what are you going to be on radio on Saturday, right? I'm on radio on Saturday. Don't ask me where my amnesia had just kicked in, but you guys told right. me to lose. There you go. But you can tell us the next <laughs> time about that. All right. Well, thank you for talking about guys. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. All right. All right, guys. That was Dr. Christopher Hall show. Take care, everyone.